My research was kind of twofold, really. Working with the Dementia Research Centre allowed me to spend a lot of time with medical professionals. So I, I tried to learn as much as I could, spending a lot of time in people's homes, helping them, watching how love changes and adapts because of a diagnosis. Hi, I'm Bobby. I was a caregiver for my father-in-law, Roger, for seven years. Having that first-hand experience inspired me to do what I do now as a certified caregiving consultant and educator, a caregiver support group leader, and a frequent speaker at caregiver conferences. And I'm her husband, Mike, and I'm a certified caregiver advocate and a certified music therapist. And this is Roger That the podcast dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. Here we tend to focus on the caregiver, offer our practical insights, and share some emotional support. And we also might share a laugh or two, because we all know laughter is the best medicine. And don't forget my wine, Mike. No, I don't forget your wine. You know better than that. (laughs) So we've talked many times about how important it is for dementia stories to be told. And yeah, we encourage people to tell the their story about dementia and caregiving. Absolutely. And it was during my time as a caregiver and talking to others who were doing the same thing. And they often said, someone should write a book that tells what it's really like. And that led to telling our story in the book, Confessions of an Imperfect Caregiver. And I honestly believe the more that the, these stories get out there and, and people see other people facing what they're facing, seeing them failing in the same way and succeeding in ways, the better off we're all going to be. And a perfect example of that is today's guest who comes to us from England. He's an actor, writer, and director who trained at the Royal Central School of Speech and Drama. His latest film, Supernova, was released in the U.S. on 29 January 2021 and is an emotional look at dementia and its effects on a 20-year partnership. He spent three years researching dementia prior to writing the film. Welcome to Roger That, Harry McQueen. Hi, Harry. Hi, thanks. Thanks for having me. Sure. So, Harry, can you tell our listeners a little bit about your personal experience with someone with dementia? Yeah, of course. Um, Well, my kind of dementia story is, I suppose, a bit different to most people's in that I actually didn't have any um family connections to dementia that i that i'm aware of at least but what happened to me was that i was working um in a in a cafe about six or seven years ago and i was working with this lady who um was in her mid 50s and over the year that i spent working with her she changed quite a lot from someone who began uh, working there being quite gregarious and fun and funny and good at her job um to being someone who was almost the polar opposite of that, who was kind of angry and um, not very good at the the menial tasks that we were doing in the in the cafe, and ultimately she got uh, she got fired, she got let go from our place of work, and then about six months later, I saw her being uh, pushed in a wheelchair actually by her husband, and I found out uh, a few weeks after that, that she'd actually been diagnosed with a form of young onset dementia. Um, And I was profoundly moved by that because what, unbeknownst to me, what I'd witnessed over the course of a year was that condition taking its effect on someone. 
And typically, young onset moves a lot faster than it does in the later onset. So it's not mm. surprising that you saw that. Yeah, and, and it was also interesting because she wasn't aware of it either. And about a year or two after that, I believe, um, she, she passed away. Around the same time, a friend of mine from, you know, back, back at home put her, her dad, her father, in a care home just after his 60th birthday. So those two events happened around the same time. And I was really profoundly moved by both of them. And it made me want to learn more about dementia, specifically young onset dementia. And so I, I sort of started volunteering really for, for charities in London where I live and eventually became sort of quite a regular member of a team at U University College London, uh, who were the sort of dementia research specialists really in the UK, um, particularly uh, works a lot, particularly with a guy called Professor Sebastian Crutch, who is um, a professor of neuropsychology at the Dementia Research Centre in London. With him and through him and his contacts, spent about two or three years spending a lot of time with people who are living with this kind of um, dementia and other dementias. And that was really critical um, to, to sort of forming the story. So I started, you know, the dementia journey, as it were, not really thinking about making a film or telling a story about it at all. But so inspired was I by the people that I met and the experiences that, uh, you know, were shared with me that I thought this is a really important um, topic and something that I think would, would make a, a very interesting film. So it kind of stemmed well, from that. Well, you know, I'd like to, I often compare the rapid growth of the various forms of dementia to a, another worldwide pandemic. And right now, of course, we're all concerned with COVID and getting that under control. But Again, the more information we can get out there about young onset, which is one of one of my uh, goals, is to convince younger people that they do need to learn about this. And the the subject matter you picked is, is perfect right now. You, you mentioned that it, it was what two or three years that you were volunteering, and I've seen other articles saying that you were researching for two to three years. Now, Bobby and I have had researchers from the medical profession on talking about their research in trying to find a cure or a way to alleviate some of the symptoms. Can you talk about your research into dementia from a, a layperson as opposed to a medical professional? Yeah, I'm very much a layperson. That's, that's, for, that's for sure. Well, I, my research was kind of twofold, really. Working with the Dementia Research Center allowed me to spend a lot of time with medical professionals. So I, I tried to learn as much as I could about that side of it with, you know, my absolutely limited, um, you know, medical knowledge previous to that. But really, really importantly for a project like this, it was the human experience of spending time, a lot of time in my case, with people, families, couples, people on their own, people in care um, that, are, that are living with, with various forms of dementia. And Specifically, in our, in our case, in the film's case, posterior cortical atrophy, PTA, PCA, which is that actually ended up being the, the type of the variant of dementia that the lady that I was working with had by coincidence. So really, that was the important thing for me, spending a lot of time in people's homes, what, you know, hel helping them, watching, watching how they lived, watching how love changes and adapts 
because of a diagnosis and um, you know an, an increasing degenerative condition like this. So I think that was really the important thing for me. It was to immerse myself as much as I could in the in the worlds of of people who are living with this kind of thing. Because as you guys will know, I mean, it's a it's an incredibly challenging thing, but occasionally a very very rewarding thing to go through too. And everything you know in 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 between that, it's you know funny and sad and all of you know everything in between. So it's important to spend the time and and form these relationships. I think. Well, I have to say when I was living it you know, 24 seven for seven years and watching the progression with Mike's dad, some of the days were so incredibly difficult. And I wondered how, you know, I could get up and do it again the next day. But Mm. after I call it now the gift I didn't know I wanted, and that he was probably one of the most important teachers that I've ever had in my life. When you're in it moment to moment, day to day, you don't see that perspective. Yeah, I, th- I think that's exactly what I found as well. I mean, I think day day by day, it's an incredibly difficult, almost like a war of attrition sometimes, I think. But when you are able to step back from it, it certainly for everyone is one of the most important defining experiences of their lives. I think that's certainly, you know, a unifying thing that I found with the people that I worked with. So I think that's that's definitely true. Let's talk some now about Sam and, and Tusker and their relationship. You know, it, the road trip that they took and seeing how loving they were, even though there's not a whole lot of background about their, you know, their meeting and their and their living their lives together. You know that this is a deeply emotional and loving relationship. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you do because I think it's when you're making a film like this and you're avoiding a lot of backstory and avoiding, you know, cinematic devices, for instance, like flashbacks or or whatever, which, which certainly isn't my kind of filmmaking. I think you, you have to trust that the performances and the writing and the way you're making the film is is telling that story as, you know, as effectively as you can. So, uh, you know, that, that the backstory of, of Sam and Tusker and their relationship is hopefully kind of woven into everything the performances and the writing and, and, and you know how we film it and all of that stuff yeah but it's 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 very important when when Tusser says to Sam I I want you to remember me the way that I was and not the way that I'm going to become my my hands were fisted and and I, I just wanted to say tell him of course you'll remember him the way he was <laughs> um, yes but we remember all of it. And I think when we're cognitive enough to know that we're changing drastically in ways that are going to affect not only us, but the people that we love, we're so fearful of that. And, and it's hard to realize that all of your relationship is going to be remembered, not just the hard parts. But that shows how your writing affects people watching the film, because I was right in there in that moment. Oh, thank you. I, I mean, I think that really the the main thing for me with the film, the writing of it, the directing of it, every, every part of it was to try and be as truthful as possible to like the essence of the, the the relationships that I had experienced and the struggles that I'd experienced and the joys that I'd experienced when I was, you know, spending time with people. And I think, you know, that that certainly that that sentiment is a, is a really um, is, is one that a lot of people feel, certainly, as you say when they're cognitively uh, you know um able to do so yeah which i think is is again is a kind of defining point of of someone who um you know who who has the has the dimension themselves 
When you were working in the facilities in the dementia center, were you working there with the idea of writing the movie, the script, or did that kind of come midway after you were there for a while and then you started taking notes and, and jotting down? Um, how did that process happen? The start of my process involved a lot of time spent in the offices of the of the doctors and, and that kind of thing, and, and a lot of reading and, and watching documentaries. But when I was able to access um, the support groups that are set up by, in this case, UCL in London, and meet the people who are living with this kind of thing day to day, that was really the the turning point for me. And I guess that was probably a good year, maybe a year into a year and a half into, you know, my research process. And then from then on, that became the central thing for me, kind of spending as much time as I could doing as much volunteering as I could. And in the end, you know, I formed really, really incredible lifelong relationships with with people who I still see, um, not so much now for, for obvious reasons, but you know, still, uh, you know, spend a lot of time with them when I can and speak to on the phone all the time. So forming those relationships was really the, 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 the really the key thing that those emotional connections with people, you know, you, you, you almost, you can't buy that stuff really, if you're, if you're trying to make a piece of, you know, a creative project out of it. So that's the, that's really the defining thing. And of course it goes that saying probably, but you know, a fair few of the people that I, have spent time with over the last four or five years are no longer with us. So, you know, it becomes an incredibly emotionally potent exercise doing something like this. And I think you, you, you as a filmmaker, as a storyteller, I think you're just trying to harness as much of that as you can and kind of hopefully bottle it and put it into, into the script so that, you know, the outcome hopefully is as, as truthful as it can be, certainly on an emotional level. Well, I definitely found myself sitting on the edge of my chair and shaking my head, no, 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 when Tusker decides that he wants to end his life. Mm. It's, it's an issue that comes up in the caregiving world a great deal. Even people talking now about assisted suicide when it comes to this, talking about how, you know, we don't let animals suffer? How can we let people do this? To me, it seems like a very slippery slope of, you know, who determines whose quality of life is is worth saving or not. I wonder, have you had discussions with people who reacted to that part of the film and getting people talking about that? There's always going to be people that think yay or nay, um, because people always disagree especially on important <laughs> issues and yeah. i think it's not a bad thing that it's part of the film if it gets people talking about it i think it's really important to be honest bobby i think i think just the ability to have the conversations and and in this case make a film that hopefully as you say allows people to have those conversations and disagree of course about the what the answer is i think is you know the purpose of art in many ways and i think as much as um, the film hopefully is raising awareness, of course, of of young onset dementia um, and and how one might live with it, I think it it felt like an issue that I couldn't ignore. I mean, I think it it would be fair to say that probably eighty percent uh, of the people 
that I formed close relationships with over my research period living with this kind of condition wanted to talk about end of life choices and as you say I think most people perhaps don't realize and I didn't realize how much of a conversation that is in caregiving you know I think it it really is and I think I think it's just incredibly interesting uh one and it's obviously it's it's um it's divisive and it's complex and it's and it's difficult. It, it should be, I think, because it, it is a it's an important it's an important thing and, and, a, and a big deal. And I and I can't really speak for other countries, although of course there are several states in in over in the U.S. where assisted dying, as we would call it, is to some degree uh, legal. Over here in the U.K., it's a debate that we have skirted around for many many years and i think it's time that the uh, that, that my country and, and and whoever's in charge of it um has a proper debate about whether this is something that should be rethought legally i i think it's it's very difficult uh, and people have very strong views either way but i think it should be debated i think that's the least you can do and the fact that these two characters did it you know privately that that happens around the world i'm sure and when people oh, make yeah. these decisions and maybe one of the reasons why it makes me so nervous is that i'm in my 70s and you know some people might say well she's had a good long life um <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah i don't know how i would feel at that time yeah um yeah and that's one of the yeah. things, even if you have a living will and you say, you know, no DNR, you have up until that moment to change your mind. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I think it is. I mean, it, it inevitably, you know, it's um, it's a complex thing that has to be dealt it dealt in the right way in terms of, a, you know, a legal framework, just as it is in several other countries around the world. And I think it's um, I think it's I think it's in. It, particularly interesting when it comes to something like dementia which obviously has you know by definition is a cognitively degenerative you know condition because having agency and ha over your decision is paramount you know so i i suppose in 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 the case of the film you know tusker is a character that is re realizes that he if he wants to make this informed decision he can't wait very right. long because there will come a, a time where he won't even know that there was a decision to be made anymore and I think that's really really interesting mm -hmm. I, I think you know you always just try you always of course try and put yourself in the position of the characters as much as you can although of course it's kind of impossible but I think that being faced with that for someone like Tusker is is one of the hardest things of of course that anyone could ever think to go through and it comes directly from, you know, experience. There was one person in particular who I worked with. Actually, I can't obviously say a huge amount about it, but, you know, certainly I worked with people who ended their lives, you know, whilst in the midst of dementia and did so illegally because they had to. So I think there's, there's some very interesting conversation in there, for sure. You know, we talk about it's important to have uh, discussions and honest discussions. But one of the things that we talk about all the time is before the cognitive degeneration gets down the road, you want to have these tough decisions about who's going to take care of me medically, where is that 
going to take place? What are the finances? Who's going to take care of the finances? All the end-of-life decisions of uh, a DNR um, and, and all those type of things. So the earlier in the degeneration that these discussions, and they're tough, ugly discussions. Nobody wants to have that discussion. But it's so, so important to make what you want known early. That's going back to saying it was a tough decision to or tough discussion to have, but they had it. Yeah, absolutely. And and really, I suppose that's what, you know, the, the film is. It's about two people who are being pushed apart by the situation they find themselves in, trying to find a common ground. And it's incredibly difficult. You know, it's incredibly difficult. And who knows, really, without trying to give too much away, uh, for people that haven't seen the film, the film is deliberately left quite open-ended because I think there are no right choices. There are no right, you know, uh, there are no answers to questions like this. And I think it's important that the film acknowledges that, uh, you know, you, it, it's more about having the conversations and then, you know, the future for the characters is is for the audience really to decide. I think that's kind of quite an important choice when it comes to a film like this, because there's certainly another version of it that could have, you know, in a very, in a very obvious way, kind of, um, you know, concluded the story, let's put it that way. And I think that certainly wasn't um, a film that I felt was one that I wanted to make in terms of, you know, taste. Uh, you know, I think le leaving leaving the characters to, to do whatever, you know, you as an audience member think they're going to do is 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 sort of the, the only honest way to right. deal with this kind of right. conversation. And, and you actually wrestling with it. <laughs> Uh, physically yeah. and emotionally and verbally and in in so many different ways without there ever being a, a really clear resolution. It was amazing. And of course, the characters uh, played by Colin Firth and Stanley Tucci, their relationship was so authentic. Um, mm. And it didn't matter that it was two men. It was just a relationship between two loving people um, struggling with the most one of the most difficult issues of our day mm. oh well thank, thank you they'll be they'll be thrilled to hear that feedback <laughs> i think you know they they yeah i mean i think you can tell I'm, them what i said <laughs> I will, uh, yeah, i'll phone them immediately after this yeah i mean it's i'm biased obviously but i think certainly colin stanley's performances in the film in my view are just complete are just utterly beautiful you know that they're, they're so delicate and authentic uh, as a couple and I think a lot of that is down to how, how amazing they are as actors and obviously as you'll probably know they're really good friends as well they've known each other for about as long as the characters have been um, you know in a relationship which which obviously helps and also they did they did an enormous amount of research as well I had compiled a really big you know huge document full of my research and vi including videos as well as lots of written stuff and um, really took it on. And, and we met with the doctors, uh, Sebastian Crutch included, that I did my research with. And they really responded to it because I think that they thought the film was important. It's my understanding that you approached uh, Stanley with, with this concept and you didn't have the second person in your mind, but he recommended Colin or he said, Colin is the guy you need. Yeah, that's right. We approached Stanley and Stanley really liked the script. And then Stanley and I met and got on really well. And we talked about who the other person might be. 
And I, I'd always wanted to work with two actors on this film that that knew each other, at least knew each other, because as you know, having seen it, it's it's an intense and intimate film and it, it, it's quite um, challenging. And I think it just always helps if people are, you know, trust each other apart from anything else. Right. And so we spoke about a few people and, and Stanley said, you know, I don't know whether you know this, Harry, but I'm Colin's best friend. And, you know, I could get the script to him if you want me to get the script to him, you know, to which obviously I said, you know, have you not got any other friends? <laughs> um, Let me sleep on it, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, no, but actually it was obviously, you know, kind of amazing, amazing experience, the whole thing. But he'd, he'd already given the script to Colin, as it turns out, and Colin had sort of kind of fallen in love with it too. So it was a real dream come true for a, for a, for a director. So I want to ask you, uh, Harry, do you plan to continue um, your relationship with people in the caregiving world? Um, definitely let you know that we are here to help people. And if you think there's a way that we can assist you, that you will let us know. Yeah, thank you. That, that's incredibly kind. Um, yes, the answer is, yeah, of course. I mean, I'm still in really close contact with a lot of the people that I did my research with. And unfortunately, because of the pandemic, a lot of the support network stuff has stopped happening face to face, at least. Um, but when it uh, changes, then I'll be straight back into doing all of that stuff. And and I will, of course, if it's okay with you, it, it, you know, show people, point people in the direction of the of the podcast. So I think, and, and hopefully, maybe send some stuff to you guys as well. Absolutely. Well, the more people know that there's people out there that are going through or have gone through a similar thing to them, I think the better, you know, uh, and exactly especially right. caregivers. Right. You know, it's so important. It's such an incredible network of people. You know, sort of silent heroes, really. And I think that sharing that, all those experiences is, is, is really helpful. I call us an army of millions doing it one by one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. The, the film is a little bit controversial. Was there, uh, did you experience any pushback in making the film? Um, something that's controversial on a couple of different levels and making people think and talk on a couple of different levels? To be honest with you, um, no. The only r real reason for that is because we're really lucky in the UK to be, as independent filmmakers, if, you know, occasionally supported by people like the British Film Institute and the BBC. And their remit is to support challenging work and to support new voices in, in cinema. Without funding like that, in this case, public funding, making independent movies about anything is is difficult to do frankly it really helps when you can persuade people like Stanley Tucci and Colin Firth to be in them <laughs> that's definitely true but in terms of the subject matter and the way that I wanted to tell the story I couldn't have been more supported really it would be very very difficult I think to get a film of this nature an independent film made in this way about sort of divisive subject matter to a degree made with private finance, I think that would be very, very difficult. Or if so, you'd be doing it for a third of the budget, probably. We were very, very lucky to be supported by the people that we were supported by. And I think that's just because we're, we're sort of quite lucky in the UK to be to have public funding bodies like the BFI and the BBC that back you. Well, I, I want to thank you again for bringing forward the issue of young onset dementia, because it's so important for people not just to see it as somebody in their in their 70s, 80s, 90s, that more and more it's affecting younger people. And I thank you for that. Uh, my pleasure. Yeah, thank you so much for being on the show. I know we've watched a film. 
and we enjoyed the film and have the opportunity to speak to you. And it's been an absolutely wonderful experience talking to you. And hopefully, as we talked about, we can work together um, in the future. That would be great. Thanks so much for having me. And, and thanks for doing the podcast. It's really, um, it's really important. So yeah, good luck. I didn't write down a whole lot because I was so in engaged with what he was saying, paying attention. Um, I have so many things running through my head. Why don't you go first? Well, I think as far as the recap goes, I think that, you know, bringing young onset to the forefront was, was definitely uh, an important reason for having Harry on in and displaying relationships, loving relationships between different types of people, different ages of people. And I'm so impressed with all of the research that he did and that his continuing efforts uh, on working in the caregiver community. Yeah, he wanted to make it true to form and is absolutely true what he brought out in the film. I found it interesting that it was through public funding as opposed to a film studio, so to speak. And that it's very much promoted by their um, independent filmmaking um, opportunities over there. Yeah, and like you said, it didn't hurt that he had Stanley Tucci and Colin Firth, and and we're grateful for that, too. (laughs) Yeah, yes, indeed. (laughs) You can find more information about Harry on our show website at rogerthat.show. This has been Roger That. I'm Bobby. And I'm Mike. And we are dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. So please, subscribe to the show. Go to iTunes and post a review. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question or issue you'd like for us to address, please post on the Roger That Facebook page. To find out more about us, head over to rogerthat.show. That's Roger, R-O-D-G-E-R, that dot show. Roger That is produced by Missing Link, a media podcast company dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast raising the bar on craft cocktails. Here you meet interesting folks, enjoy boozy banter, and learn how to make craft cocktails from a master. And if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights from dramas to comedies and all those in between. Find Missing Link's League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe, download, and review the shows as your review helps our show reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company. That's missinglink.company.